Alright, just a quick little editor's note because I got the coronavirus last week because China is amazing and God bless China. So we had to record from my end for the podcast on, on, online through Zoom. So there are some internet connection problems that came up and some of the recording is a little bit spotty. But I hope you enjoy and I hope you're able to understand what we're saying. And thanks again for listening to our podcast. Welcome back to the Three Moroglin podcast. This is our third ever episode, and we're about to get right into it. I am Arun Cohen. I'm EC Good. And we got our third guy, our third Moroglin in single term. Yes, my name is Mendel. I hope you guys are doing good. Welcome back. Mendel's on Zoom, right? The global pandemic after 16 months has finally hit him. Yep. I'm one of those people that got COVID when everyone thought there was no COVID. So remember, keep wearing your masks and social don't distancing. Think don't hug your family. <laughs> How does it COVID when it's not cool to have COVID? Yeah. Like, uh, no it's like, oh, yes. Do you still have to quarantine or? I don't know. I feel that the people who got the vaccine are, they're like patting themselves on the back because a lot of people just were like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. It's over. Like, why do I need it? I was one of those people and I got COVID. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay though. Baruch Hashem, you know, no symptoms and I'm feeling great. So that's good. That's what's important, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. And, uh, Today was 4th of July. 4th of July is uh, the day that America declared its independence. It's a pretty wow. cool day. Uh, I, for, I have no problem with the 4th of July, but I do have a problem with the fireworks because I find them really, really annoying. Just the noise is very annoying. And uh, I also bad. don't like And I also don't like going on social media and seeing every single person post videos looking at fireworks because... I see them too. I see them everywhere from all sides. I don't need to see them on my phone too. I, so I find a great way to combat that issue of people posting fireworks on their social media is to take professional photos from online and post them onto your social media. So you can be like, oh, I have the most professional photos. You guys totally right, People suck. might think you're just an incredible photographer. Yeah, or they might I, realize I, taking pictures from online that are 10 times better than their pictures. Well, I, and well, I, well I also have a way to, to combat social media. and It's very simple. Don't have social media. That's good. Powerful words from our uh, mashpia of the group. But how would people follow at three, three, under, is it, at three <laughs> underscore Miragam underscore media on Instagram if they didn't have Instagram? Yeah, but we're, we're legit time-saving oh. people we're the Moroglin family are time-saving people so we're not going to be spending our time scrolling through social medias we're using it strictly for business purposes in order yeah. to have fans contact us so we can make better content and for sponsors, people. obviously we're, we're getting loaded with sponsors here are some of my thoughts on social media a lot of it can be used for uh negative things time wasting um let's say posting pictures of your vacations could make other people who are working feel like oh, not they're having so much more fun than me i wish i could be there, which has um 
it, it has some negative effects, but there are some positive things on uh, bringing awareness to different issues mm-hmm. and fundraising and just a lot of different things that are positive. Entertainment is also can be positive in with kosher entertainment, just spreading light and is upside to social media and there's definitely downside the idea is is to be careful and the idea is is not to let it get ahead of yourself all right so here are the numbers we have 730 hours in our week that means that we have in a month i'm sorry in a month we have roughly 730 hours that means in a year we have roughly 8760 hours a year and if we're spending six hours a day on our phone you know, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That's like people can die and could have spent five or six months on social media in their that lifetime. Is, that is definitely very, more, by the way. That is very yeah. true. But there is a there could be a place for social. You have if you have um, a few if you're working all day and you have a, a couple hours to wind down and relax and just, to, you know, into a particular podcast that may or may not be the three Moroccan podcast. Yeah. We're not trying <laughs> we're not trying to advertise our own podcast here. But if you do have and you are scrolling around, it doesn't hurt to relax. I mean, they're listening and, to it right now. Aaron. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. We went from July fourth to fireworks to social media to the dangers and of social media and advertisements. So that was awesome. Sounds, sounds legit that conversation. So, Crudo, if you're listening, we are looking yeah. for a sponsorship from you guys. Yeah. Um, at any offers at the current moment, just contact us and we'll definitely work on something. 100%. Yeah. And with that, we'll move into last week's Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas. Pinchas is probably the coolest character in the, in the Torah, I think, because he saw something like, this is not happening, not, not in my watch. And then he just kill two people in one shot you know you know what else i like from pinchas i like how we see a direct story where a positive action leads to a direct reward that happened right after he he did he got he was the he was the only one who was courageous enough to end something that he knew was wrong to to basically be the 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 superhero of the story and he does it and right after this he's given a massive reward because we know that the sons of our own hakoin if they were born before God made him a coin, then they weren't Kohanim. Mm-hmm. So Pinchas was the, the grandchild. Grand, yeah, yeah. It's all, it was said, Aaron and your sons will be Kohanim, right? But it didn't say your grandkids will be Kohanim. And mm-hmm. he was already born when that came out because it is, it is genetic. So if he was born after his father became a Kohanim, then he would have inherently became a Kohanim through passing it on but because he was born before he wasn't on Ari nor his sons so yeah. he had to earn it and there, it also he's like literally it's it, literally right after he killed him it says in the beginning of the parsha that the plague stopped the, the, we're sitting with the, the wives of Midian and after Pinchas killed uh, Zimri it was over and, like right there so even more the, the reward just happened like it um, um, he reminds yeah. me a lot of uh, who was a character who who didn't he had to earn everything he became the first Jew because he earned it, not because he was born into it. So mm-hmm. he has some similarities there. Yeah. And we have 
about something that we can compare to Pinchas's bravery and zealousness. Rabbi once, uh, who he, or it was discovered that there was this uh, commentary from some holy rabbi we, we, who we do not know which rabbi it is, but it, w- it was found in Egypt, this uh, Mepharshim, and uh, the rabbi, this rabbi, he made it get this from Egypt, but Egypt didn't, didn't want to get it. They didn't want to was it, was it, was it written in Arabic? Uh, likely, yeah, I would think so. Uh, we, oh, can add, we can do a little bit more details into the story. We got to give credit where credit is due. Is one of our personal friends who um, who gave a speech at the show today. So this is from his Dvar Torah. Yeah, Men- shout out to Mendel, amazing Dvar Torah as usual. And he does not have stage fright, and that's something that I want to learn from. Very professional speaker. Yeah, very. So, uh, yeah, so they were, the Egypt was not budging. They did not, he did not want to give out this Mepharshim. And so this rabbi, he got the Israeli government involved. And then the Israeli government got Washington involved. And then Washington finally gave it out. And uh, Egypt liked to, uh, to give it out. But Egypt said it'll only do it for a certain amount of money, something close to a million dollars. So this rabbi, he, fun, he did a lot of fundraising. And he got a million dollars, or how much it was, and he paid Egypt. He got he got the the script, and he took it back home, and he was going to do some research on it, obviously, because it was written is very very old in a way that's not easy for normal people. So he needed a lot of experts to read it together and check, like what is it really saying here. Uh, so while they were doing that, um, this guy who was there doing his job, he had his coffee as people do when they're working. He moved his elbow in a bad way, spilled the coffee all over the manuscript, and it was all gone. You can never read it again. And uh, you would think that this rabbi who saw this happen would freak out. Like, so much time, so much money to try to get this uh, this manuscript, but... He you another coffee, mm-hmm. which is very powerful. Yeah. He wasn't mad about it. He just... He, he may have been mad about it inside, but he had an internal thought process. What would be a more positive thing to do right now? Would it be more positive to say, hey, do you want another coffee and not get upset about it? Or positive to get upset and blow up at him for something that's already been done? And he realized he, he had the, the uh, realization that if he just holds back and he did not have a more positive result. Mm-hmm. To Pinchas, because Pinchas acted at that moment too. What was needed for the Jewish people at that moment where, where the Jewish people were sitting and the, the, one of the princes of, of Israel were, uh, was doing a, a big sin? What was needed at that exact moment? They killed him. And the same way with, uh, with this rabbi, when it was over, that... Uh, the coffee was all over it and you were never able to read that script again. It was gone. So there's no point of getting angry. What was yeah. needed right there was this guy. He needed coffee. He needed to see all, all great leaders and what makes somebody a leader is a person who, who's not reactive and they know how to respond. And it's, it's more like they're aware of the situation and what needs to get done. So whether it's a very quick movement like with Pinchas where he needed to understand the whole situation like okay this is what they're doing 
what would be the right thing to do in order to get the right message across because something crazy needed to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was somebody doing something crazy in a negative way. So person. Yeah, I mean, they they they're so aware. Like that rabbi could read the room so well, and he can understand. But also, that's the thing; they have a lot of responsibility. You know, they they are the leaders also themselves. Like that rabbi is the, is the leader. He was the one who organized everything. At that moment, all eyes were on him. So he was able to set an example for other people by reacting the way he reacted. That's that's what great leaders do. They understand the situation and then they do what is going to create the best results in the future. Yeah, exactly. Another idea that's, that he mentioned was the of zealousness, which is um, being outgoing and being passionate. When it's used in a good way, when it's used in a positive light, the way Pinchas went and he did something positive in action, then it is so powerful and has such a in the same way, if you're zealous negative result, like this rabbi technically he could have been super zealous and passionate about this manuscript, he could have blown up on him and been super upset, then that that zealousness becomes if you use it for a positive thing, then it just becomes such a powerful tool for you. It's like yeah. the the olive base, the olive base of Hasidus. There's the story with the Altarebbe's student, and I forgot his name, but it's a very famous story. He was spying. There was a big war at the time between Russia and France with Napoleon and the Russian Tsar, oh. and and yes, this is he was a spy, just like we are, just like the Miraglim. And he was a spy for the Russians. The Alter Rebbe made sure that he would go to the French, to Napoleon's side, and be a spy. And I heard he would have a cane, and he would inscript messages in the cane with his finger while they were going over battle plans or tactics, whatever it was. And he would then he would bring it back to the Russians. And there's a story that Napoleon was losing the war, and he was losing battles. And it must have been because he had a spy. So he breaks into this room where all the generals are making tactics and battle plans, and he looks at him and he says, you, you're a spy. So he goes up to him and he puts his hand on his chest to hear his heartbeat, to hear how this guy would respond physiologically. Like Napoleon knew that. The most powerful basic... man, one of the most powerful people on earth puts his hand on your chest, like trying to get information out of you. Like you have to be terrified at that moment. In general, yeah. Napoleon knew that when people are nervous, their heart beats. So he put his hand on his heart and he didn't feel anything. Even for anybody to have somebody run up to you and put your hand on your heart is a big deal you'll start beating faster especially if it's napoleon and of course if you're a spy so uh when he got back home and he told the story to the other students of the balatanya they asked him you know how did this happen how were you able to have so much control and he said it's the olive base of of tanya of chasidus the heart needs to control them needs to be controlled by the mind the mind over the heart and that way you can react better in situations that are intense or you know like the rabbi or like Pinchas. yeah it's an awesome story love that story every time it's brought up all right and now with that we move on to a this week matos masa yeah. you're doing uh schneimaker this week it's gonna be kind of hard but <laughs> yeah that's what we got to do this week. Mazas Masay Dabo Parsha. Mendel has the Vartar on this, as usual. Mendel. So let's go for it. So this week is Matis Masay. And we know the way the story 
this parsha opens, it's we start going, we recount all of the the occurrences that happened during the Jewish journey through the desert. So we're going back in time, kind of, and looking back at the stories of what happened. You know, it starts off with, these are the journeys of the children of Israel who left the land of Egypt and their legions under the charge of Moshe and Aaron. So that's how it starts. And then it begins listing the journey. So there's a question, really, is why are we focusing on the past? The past was full of negativity. And it was full of things and stories that caused us not to enter the land right away. Why is it important for us to go through the, the journeys? And the Torah also is not a history book. It's not a travel log. What's the purpose of this list? If the Torah is specific, why is this list important? Why did it feel necessary for it to be written here? So we have some questions. So the Midrash brings a, an analogy, like a parable, a mashal of a king and his son becomes sick. So he takes him to a faraway place and they go to find a doctor so he can get healed. And on the way back, his father begins citing all of the stages of their journey, saying, this is where we sat. Here's where it was cold one night on our journey. And over here, you had a headache on the way back from getting healed. So the way there, they pass a bunch of obstacles and trials. And on the way back, the father is just mentioning them as they go along. So likewise, Hashem instructed Moshe, Moses, to list all of the places the Jewish people angered Hashem. That's why it said, Zidar is the journey. So that's what happened. So Hashem asked Moshe to basically recount all of the, all of the wrongdoings. So it turns out that this is the answer to our question. What's the point? Why, why, why is this important? to list all of go to go through the painful process again to revisit those emotional situations in life not just in the desert but in our lives as well how can we learn a lesson from this so we have to look at failure as our springboard when we are in a position and we fail or we're in a test and we fail or we have an obstacle and we fail we have to understand that all this grief the pain the trauma all that we're experiencing is actually going to propel us to the next level, to the higher level. It's like a, it's a springboard. And there's, an, uh, there's a famous saying I heard from Rabbi Shays Taub. It goes like this. When man is down to nothing, it means God is up to something. When man is down in the dirt at rock bottom, there's a reason. And he should know to get strength that God is working something for him. That's the way it works. So prior to entering the land of Egypt, to, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, prior to entering the land of Eretz Yisrael after leaving Egypt, after a long trip, and they had a lot of downs, the people re revisited and re-examined all of those downs. And now they're able to understand how they really got to the higher level at the footstep of the land of Israel. They were able to see all of the obstacles and challenges they had to go through and how it actually led them there. So you can say hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. We can see into the future and we can see all the steps that we took in our life and how we got there. But in those moments when it's really tough, we don't we don't know. We don't we're worried and we're feeling all the pain and the grief and we're not focusing on the future. Mm -hmm. The important thing is to frame things properly. The way it works is that we use framing for point of references. So that's how we learn in life through learned experiences. We're able to overcome the next experience. It's like on a computer, if you learn a certain code that gets you past a certain firewall, then once you learn the code, you can do it again. It's just a matter of putting it into a frame of reference where you can go back to it and then 
be like, oh, I've been in a similar situation before. This is how it was handled. This is how it worked. And that's what people would call experience, I guess. So what's important is that we frame the bad times, the not good times, and and then we we work from there. You know, we yeah we need to look in our past to make our to make our future better. Like motivation. Yeah, experience is is the the best way to put it. They they there's um I I hate to bring. I hate to bring rap into this, but there's a rapper who has a line, there's no um, mistakes in life, there's only lessons, yeah. right? Which, which is very I true. I think he quoted someone, probably. He definitely quoted <laughs> someone, but I, I, I remember it from that song right, right. because... Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, so um, he, has, he says, there's no mistakes, there's only lessons, which is very powerful because a lot of times we think that certain either we did wrong or certain things that are happening to us can't be good like it can't and as much as we want to say everything's for the good you're in that moment and you feel like it can't be good but once you get to to your high to your to your better place that low place you were at that mistake that you thought that you did or that that felt like was really low was really so when you get to this high place you'd be so much more motivated uh, it would it would be so much more of sub something that was like given to you it would feel more real it would feel uh more it would feel more exciting and 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 you'll feel more powerful yeah and so yeah it's it's definitely this is great to um acknowledge your your past experiences and to use it to better yourself in the future. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, like you were saying that in that moment, it's very tough, right? You're somewhere low and it's very tough. We have to do something called reframing. You have to change the perspective in that moment. So you need to look at it like, let's say someone's stuck in traffic and they're very frustrated. So they can look at it in, in a way like maybe I'm stuck in traffic because if there was no traffic and I was 10 minutes early, I would have gotten hit by a car and been in an accident myself. So lucky am I to be sitting in traffic and not in a car accident. Or you can reframe it another way and say that you can use an optimistic approach where you're saying there's an act, there's traffic right now. There's probably an accident somewhere. Somebody could be really, really hurt. What is someone's pain next to 10 minutes late for me to be at a restaurant or something? So we can do those in all of our situations where we're not feeling good or comfortable or we're stressed or it's it makes us sad etc we can reframe it we can use humor compassion different tactics in order to change our perspective and make us happy in that moment yeah yeah and as we move on to sports i think i I have a perfect comparison with regards to sports and we're talking about right now like if for example when lebron he lost so many times in the beginning of his career and people said lebron can't win a championship and then when he was down Three, ga- three games to two against the Celtics, there's that famous picture of him just looking like so motivated. Like everything, every time he lost in all those years, like that was not going to happen again. And he, he dominated that game and then they ended up winning the finals. Like you can use all, all past failures as motivation for future. Yeah, and it, it's not, yeah, it's not only about the success or looking in. Because one of the things I find is is good for me is 
not looking in the future always. Because a lot of times you have to be in the moment, even when it's painful, and you have to live through it. Because that painful moment is not, the pain isn't bad. It's, it's like growth. So if you can take this pain and you can internalize it and say, this pain is good for my personal growth, will help me be a better person, mm-hmm. then the pain itself becomes the if you have a, a negative approach towards the pain and you say this pain hurts so much that I want to give up and I and God's against me and he's pitting towards me to fail because why else would he give me this pain and you decide to do nothing and sit around and, and decide to just fail and I'm on then that's a negative approach to look at it yeah I think like this, in regards to pain, if it's something that is able to be stopped, it must be stopped. If there is pain that is just uncontrollable because of circumstances that are out of control, like somebody broke their leg, God forbid, those situations, those kinds, or like real emotional pain, those kinds of things, when you have to deal with it, you just deal with it like any other person would deal with another hardship that they have, like poverty. Pain doesn't never... Pain never stops. Pain is healed. It has to be healed. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop the pain right now. You need to do something active towards stopping the pain. Yeah, like injecting injecting painkillers. No, but okay, with physical pain, there's another line that that I heard of that goes, um, they said all that can heal but it's I who needs to heal me. And not yourself, but saying time is going to be always true. Because you can't wait for things to fix themselves. You have to be proactive. You have to go out and fix it yourself. And no, you shouldn't wallow in pain. That's not the point of pain. The point of pain is to move forward so you get out of that pain. And the point of pain is to heal so when you're not in pain anymore, you feel about yourself. When I I, me personally, when I'm not in pain, the past pain makes the the times where I'm comfortable, it makes it feel so much better. Yeah. All right. That was incredibly inspiring stuff. Hope you guys enjoy it to heart. And I'm going to move on into our next topic, which is sports. So a couple things happened this week. First, we have the NBA Finals are set, as we predicted on last week's podcast, which was not that hard of a prediction. Bucks for Suns, and that's exactly how it happened. And I just want to say how, what my thought process was throughout the entire playoffs, because I think it's pretty incredible. When the playoffs started, I thought LeBron and Anthony Davis, that's the best duo in the playoffs, they're going to win. Then Anthony Davis got injured. So then I thought, okay, I mean, probably the Nets, right? They have Kevin Durant. James Harden and Kyrie Irving, they're probably going to win. And then James Harden and Kyrie Irving both got injured. So while that series is still happening, I thought, well, so maybe the Bucks will actually beat the Nets since their second and third best player got injured. Then probably I would say the Clippers are, are the team that's best suited to, k- to keep going in this playoffs. They have Kawhi and George. That's probably the best duo left. I, I would take them to win the finals. And then Kawhi Leonard got injured, and he's out for the season. So then – and then the Bucks beat the Nets, and then the Clippers advanced. So then I thought, well, probably the best team left, I would say, is the Bucks. They have Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. That's probably the best 
big three left, I would say, over the Suns. And Giannis <laughs> is probably the best player left. So I guess the Bucks are probably going to win. And then Giannis got injured. And then even though Giannis got injured, Trey Young is all on the Trey Young, but they both got injured. We have the Suns who didn't get injured, the only team basically who hasn't gotten injured yet in the playoffs. Uh, they're in the finals and they're playing the Bucks with an injured Giannis. We don't know if he's going to play, but the injuries have just been insane this year. Well, Chris Paul was out because of COVID. Yeah. And because he had a little and like tweak in the beginning of the playoffs. Devin Booker wasn't playing so well when he got his nose broken. Not really. That's not the same as losing Kawhi or Giannis for like yeah for a considerable game. amount of time. Yeah, for sure. I did. I did think that Milwaukee was going to beat. It. Just had a more well-rounded team, defense, coaching, yeah. playmaking all around. They just and and they've been here before. They've been to the Eastern Conference. They finals. failed many times in the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah. So it's like their experience had to prove eventually. Just like the story Mendel said. Sadly. I mean, Trey Trey Young is twenty two. He's very young. He has so much potential. I definitely see him winning a title in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If the if the the Hawks keep going. And get yeah, but if my, some new players and everyone else gets injured, then maybe they could win. Yeah, <laughs> but if my predictions keep going the way they've been going, then we're not we're probably not going to see a title from him. I don't know if you guys remember last episode when I was sitting on the microphone, very confident in my home country of France that we were going to win against Switzerland in the Euro Cup to not advance to the semifinals. That's not what you said. Oh well, I I thought they were going to win the cup for Let's sure. Let's play the clip right here. You want to play the clip? Truthfully, there isn't much to speak about, though. France is going to win. No, they're not. And then they're no. going to win the World mm-hmm. Cup. No. You heard it here first, guys. So Mendel, yeah, Mendel France, is French. France is winning it. Mendel is French, so he, he uh, thinks that France is going to win. Team. Yeah, so uh, that's Mendel predicting France to go all the way and uh, win the European Championship. Didn't really work out that way, Mendel. So... The game, Switzerland versus France, I don't know if you guys watched, but it was an incredible game. So, Switzerland were heavy underdogs. I think it was – I think France were plus four, 450, which means if you bet – I mean, Switzerland were plus 450, which means if you bet $10 on Switzerland, you would make 45. We are not can, We are not promoting sports betting Oh, yeah. Whatsoever. We're just using it as an example to show you how much of an underdog Switzerland were. Yes. So, yeah, they went up one in the first half. And then France, as the favorites, scored three goals. They go up 3-1. Then Switzerland scored two more in, like, the last 10 minutes to tie it up 3-3. And then they went in overtime scoreless. And then in penalties, France is probably their best player. Kylian Mbappe missed the last of the 10 penalties. Not Yeah, he missed the last penalty after both teams went 4-4. Four for four. Switzerland made their fifth. Mbappe missed, blocked by Jan Sommer, the, probably the best goalkeeper I've ever seen, going by the last couple games. And, yeah, France are out of the European Championship, and I'm really happy about it. Mendel, do you want to apologize for uh, being wrong? Uh, you see, the game was down to the last shot. So we're talking about 120 minutes of actual gameplay, followed by nine penalty kicks. And then this 20-year-old kid is given the oh, ball okay. and told – Make this He's ball. not 20 anymore. He was 19 in the World Cup. He's probably 22 now. 
okay, okay, fine. He's 22. He's given this shot for the whole country. I mean, the pressure was insane. He's a young guy. He hasn't had a good tournament. I don't think he scored the entire tournament. Yeah, he didn't. He was playing all right, but the ball, the game was really in his hands at that point. It wasn't France that failed. It was Mbappe that failed. So I'm not so upset about that because he's one guy. You know, he's just one guy. It wasn't like the team failed. It was just one guy. I mean, they did concede three goals to a team that wasn't on their level. I think that was a joke. I think France had the energy even after being down one. And then especially when Lloris saved that penalty kick to to save them from going down 2-0, they just got a boost. And not even two minutes later, they scored two goals back-to-back. Yeah, so yeah. they had the so it showed their flashes. The, the flashes of France were very clear in the game, but they were not consistent. Pugba's shot also, I mean, they're up 3 1. They probably were like relaxing. I would say in their brain, yeah. they were not, they didn't think that Switzerland could put up two goals, you know? So, again, yeah. I guess it's just, coaching. They weren't motivated. Something happened, but listen, there's the World Cup coming up, and they, they are the world champions still. So mm, They're the champions of every continent besides Europe. Okay. okay. They just <laughs> lost their right to Europe, which in soccer, it's not that impressive if you're a if you're, uh, champion of every continent besides Europe. One of, the, one of the reasons that we all watch sports is that we all know, as much as we can predict certain things, anything can happen. Besides um, Golden State and Cleveland not making the championship, <laughs> that was the only thing that was set in stone. Yeah. The Luchais, Golden State against Cleveland every year for five years, that was set in stone. But besides for that, we know one thing. Anything can happen in sports. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Fine. And then for our next uh, sports topic, we got Formula One. Max Verstappen. We are not... Sponsored by Max Verstappen, All right. but he keeps on winning whenever we make podcasts. Yeah, the so last three Sundays there's been races. Maybe we should have him on the podcast. Maybe we should. We should have Max Verstappen on the podcast. Yeah. We can tell him how we're good luck for your winning. Right. Every time we talk about like every time we make a podcast, he wins a race. Yeah. So I think we should keep on making podcasts. He should keep on winning races. Yeah. Honestly, kind. Kind of getting boring at this point. Uh, we're, for I, we're all Formula One fans from only or Aaron maybe from before, so maybe Aaron can tell us more. But like last year, how was it with Lewis Hamilton every single week? Like, wasn't it? Weren't you asking like, can someone please compete with this guy? Yeah, it was like you go into a race and you're like, who's getting second place? You know. And now this it's happening again. It's just with same, someone else. It's the same thing. But Max Verstappen is so entertaining. He's so fast. Yeah, and Lewis has been winning for so many years. It is a, a breath of fresh air getting someone else, winning. But yeah. another Im- impressive performer this year has been Lance. Not another podium, another top five finish. It feels like he's top five every single race, and he does not have the best car on the grid. Yeah. Does not even have close to the best car on the grid. Yeah, maybe fourth, maybe third, if you really like a stretch for the third best car. Yeah, but to finish top five every single weekend, week out, that's extremely impressive for such a young driver. Yeah, and uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about, then uh, hopefully, like Mendel said in the first episode of Three Maraglum, if you're watching something else that's you probably shouldn't be watching, you wanna spend your time watching some drama and some entertaining stuff, you should watch Draft to Survive on Netflix.
uh, it's just amazing. Extremely entertaining, extremely dramatic. It's it's the pinnacle of reality TV. It's actually real. Yeah. And there's so much on the line. Just so so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And now, uh... but one more thing before we move on. That there was a meme that uh, one of my friends showed me the other week or the other day. It's like who would win? Who would win a Formula One championship? For uh, car manufacturers or one? Who sounds like the fastest car? Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, or Red Bull? It's like one energy boy is running away with the championship, and it's just hysterical. Yeah, I mean, Red Bull does give you wings, but it's also not a car manufacturer, and they're destroying every other car. Like, they're destroying Mercedes and McLaren and Ferrari. doesn't really make sense, but yeah, that's how it is. Uh, All right, next we got, let's just finish up with some NBA Finals predictions. I'll go first. Suns and four. Suns and four. Wow. Talk about hot take. Are any of the games within 10 or they're all blowouts? I don't know. If ya- I'm assuming Giannis will either not play or not be 100%. So I'm taking Suns and four. Respect to Suns and four guy in Phoenix. Uh, I am a huge Suns fan. A huge Suns fan. I also happen to be very aware of what Milwaukee does as a basketball team. And I know they haven't had sustained success in the last few years in the playoffs. But one thing they have done is clearly they've learned from their experience. And I think Phoenix, as a team that doesn't have as much experience as, as Milwaukee does, a team that maybe their coaching is as good, and they have some veterans on there. I just like the blend of offense and defense and playmaking that Milwaukee has. And I do think it's going to be a very tight series, especially the fact that we don't know when Giannis is coming back because he's a game changer. I do think Milwaukee squeezes out a seven victory in, in seven games. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be a, one of the most entertaining um, finals that we've had, obviously, since the LeBron comeback. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I agree with Aaron. Bucks in seven, 100%. This is going to be a great series. It's not the opposite of what I said. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's, yeah, it's well, Bucks wait. in seven. Well, I, none of us I agree. said four, so yeah. <laughs> it's not the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite. I'm saying Suns are winning as easy as possible. And then you think, saying, actually, yeah, I guess, you think Chris Middleton's not going to blow up one of those games? Right. For a forty-point explosion, I mean, Suns and Four is a meme at this point. Like, you, you know what I think? I think, <laughs> I think Chris I don't Paul. Know, but this guy, he basically got into a fight. This Suns fan, he got into a fight with two Nuggets fans. You can watch it on YouTube. These two Nuggets fans attacked him because he was celebrating after the Suns won, and then they tried to fight him, and he beat up both of them at the same time. And then, as they were leaving, crying after destroyed them in a fight, and he's just like Suns and Four, and he held his fingers up before, and it's just like super famous picture. And he became a meme. Look, so, if, that well, if well, the look. Suns are going to win, I want them to win in four. Yeah, Let's yeah. put it that way. Because <laughs> right. then that well, guy looks become the most legendary. It, either, way, either way, whichever team wins, it will solidify a few people in history. Like Chris Paul, yeah. they win. If Devin Booker wins, this will propel his career for the rest of his career. propel his career. He's always looked at as like, Oh, he shouldn't be in the All Star. His stats don't at, count. As basically Carmelo Anthony, like, oh, you're good at scoring, but you're never gonna win anything. So if he can win, it would change. It would change everything. And on the change. other side, Chris Middleton will become. He will have street cred now. 
because yeah. he's good, but he never won. Right. If he wins and he carries this team the way he's been carrying them, right. he's gonna yeah, he's gonna second. he's gonna get a nice contract next year. And Giannis, if he wins, he has. Okay, well, if Giannis wins, I mean, this is just gonna be one in many. He's gonna have a a trophy rack, a yeah. trophy case full of these. For sure. Yeah, if Giannis wins this, it's gonna be a similar effect to like what happened with LeBron and Michael Jordan. They won their first one, then the next start rolling in. Right. It's not going to be like a one-time fluke. It could be like a Hakeem Olajuwon where he wins once and that's it. But no, Hakeem won twice in a row. Well, twice in a row. No, that's what I'm saying. Giannis is not again. LeBron or MJ, but he might. He could definitely win again. Well, he could be. We never know. Yeah. He puts up. He puts up stats that are better than LeBron. What What makes thirty twelve and seven not as good as LeBron's stats? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at the they stats, both like that, can't shoot, that, but LeBron, they both can't shoot from the free throw line. Giannis is an MVP. <laughs> Giannis, is, so Giannis is a defensive player of the year candidate, yep. like year in, year out. So, like to say Giannis can't be LeBron under any circumstances. It's possible to say that, but I would disagree with that personally. Right. And we're not going to get into LeBron versus other. You people. know, I was watching <laughs> last year's. <laughs> this was, would be a good one, honestly. I was watching last year's bubble videos, you know, from the playoffs when they were playing in the bubble, yeah. and the the whole system was different. So the game was different. The time was different too. It was later in the year. It went until August, I think, or even later. Yeah. And later. and it was it was so interesting. And there were so many players that, that became good that shouldn't have been. There were teams that made it far like the Heat that, sh- that would not have done it in today's league. But last year was a different league because you watch those games and the type of plays that were happening were incredible. Compared to this playoffs, it's a lot more three-pointers that are airballing, I think. There's a lot of a lot yeah, of I think, the, I think your point can be... Um, the best example of that was Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray going at each other. Yeah. I don't see. I don't think we're gonna see anything like that. Like we saw Chris Middleton do it with who? Who was scoring on the other side? Chris Middleton oh. was scoring, and then who was scoring on the other? Donovich. No, it was with uh, the Nets. Maybe it was Kyrie or something. I don't know. But Chris, Chris Middleton kept on scoring every time coming down. So that was really cool to watch. But what, what Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray were going like night in, night out, just put rain like every shot. You felt like it was yeah. going to go in no matter what at a certain point. Yeah, I think definitely has to do with them getting like a four-month break between the playoffs. Empty stadiums. It's clear. Yeah, it's like the fatigue is like Paul George has been playing a game every day for like, the last, I think he he's he hasn't had more than a one day break in like the last three four weeks, like and that's after a sixty five, however many games they played this year. Like they are so fatigued right now, and last year in the bubble every team got like a refresh, especially LeBron. I think Le- the Lakers got a huge benefit from getting like four months of rest so LeBron could get ready, and that's definitely a big advantage for why they won last year. I I I think that also it's it's a lot more comfortable for the players. It's it's basically like you're playing in a gym, in a very professional gym, and they're, they're in their comfort zone. This is what they do. They practice in gyms. They've been playing in right. gyms since they were in elementary school. So there's also the noise is better, I think, with the with the automated noises and stuff. But right. um, yeah, it's different. Like the, last year, there were plays that were not normal. Jamal Murray's 360 
layup was was something that was like Jordan used oh, to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. that was absurd. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. So uh, that was sports. So now we're gonna go into Chulent. Now, when we think of Chulent, most people think of food, but if you go Shabbos, if you go to um, our show. You know Chalent has a completely different meaning. Yeah. It actually is the name of a game. And not just any game. It's one of the greatest card games ever created. Yeah. It's not a playing card game. It has its own set of cards. And it is just such a balanced and fun game to play. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the game is that you have ingredients. And once you have Arrest- all the ingredients, you have... And once you get all the ingredients and finish your recipe, you win the game. Yeah, ingredients are meat, potatoes, spices, beans, <laughs> and eggs. Those are the five ingredients wow. you need to make your chulent. Is this the is this the Chabad version of chulent? What what version of chulent? Every version, every chulent, like even chamin, they all revolve around. Meat, no, but there's spices, more. Every eggs, beans. Every race oh, of chulent. Jewish. Every type of Jewish person has a different chalent. Yeah, there's no barley. I think if it was my my version of chalent, I would prefer no eggs and barley instead of eggs. Yeah, but yeah, yes. but then you would have the egg lovers chalent, which is one of the recipes in, uh, in yeah. The game. So I just think that, that no sense. no two chalents are the same. Every chalent oh, is exactly. like well, that's why we have five different recipes in the game. That's why this game is so good because they understand that everyone has their own challenge. Even those vegetarians who don't want to eat, don't want to kill animals, even though like why, why wouldn't you want to? But if you don't so want to like kill classroom. animals when you make your challenge, there is a vegetarian challenge option in the game where it's three potatoes, two spices, and two beans. I think it's our followers challenge, are a bit confused because we need to digress. How does one obtain ingredients in this game? Yeah. How does one get the ingredients to fulfill the recipe and win the ultimate prize mm-hmm. and bragging rights for winning right. challenge? So you want to start with the shook cards, Aaron? So I think a ways we can start because explaining the cards is a bit complicated. How you win ingredients is we bid for them, but we bid for them in gelt cards. The gelt cards, <laughs> it gets better. It gets better, guys. The gelt cards come in one, two, three, and four. And like the uh, the animation on the card is like the gelt bags that you get like in Hanukkah. Like that's how the cards look. Yeah, that's so amazing. You get, so you pick up these gelt cards, and the shook cards determine how many gelt cards you get before the round, and they determine how many ingredients are bid for. Mm-hmm. And you could use these Geld cards to get Hevra cards as well. Hevra oh, cards... This is the best part of the game. Hevra cards are fantastic. They're so valuable. They're like action cards. If you've ever played Monopoly Veal, it's like using an action card. So you can buy a Hevra card for three Geld. And all the Hevra cards range. They all have different powers. Powers, actions. So the Chacham allows you to switch... Uh, bets with someone else and the bubby allows you to <laughs> take back your bet if once you already placed it unless it's 
Unless it's on, but it has to be under four gels. Yeah. The best thing about Chalent is that the fights that people have with their Hebra cards is unlike anything you've ever seen. It's the most Jewish thing in the world. <laughs> you, you have a guy bid like four, then the other guy's going to put like the Gylum, pick up your cards. And then the next guy will take, put the Navi down. The Navi means you can switch, you can redo your bid however you want. So you can put back seven. Then the other guy put, could put the Chacham. And then the Chacham, what the Chacham does is, you, I have zero, but now you have zero, and I have the seven that you had. So and hold up. You, there's so many different cards. Hold up, hold up. So many powers, and it's just... We, and also, one... Wait, Mendel, before you go, one important thing about it is there's, like, text on the cards, like, saying exactly what the card does, and everyone argues about everything that the card says, like in Gemara. Like, no, the card says this, exactly. but it doesn't say this. And then everyone sometimes, gets into fights about that. Sometimes when we have um, an interaction that we're not aware of, like one card, another card, and we really can't figure it out, we email Epicure Games yeah. to try... Shout and... out to Epicure Games. They created this game. Yeah. So much respect for them. Fantastic. That's where the name, a part of the reason the Three Miraglin is the name we chose is because one of the cards in the game is called the Miraglin. And what does it do, Aaron? What it does is it st- it's like a just say no. It stops the action of any Hever card, including the Nudnik, which is one of the Hever cards to defeat. Yeah. The Nudnik? The, the Nudnik. Nudnik. So one of the things about the, about the... Like, like I said, the Hever cards have like arguments between like what, what does that Hever card really do? So the Nudnik, what the Nudnik says is if someone is tied for the highest bid, you win. So if, not even if I have, if I, if I bid zero and Mendel and Aaron both put five, if I put the Nudnik, I win. So that's the only card in the game where it says you win the bid using that card. So the question is, can the Maraglim, which is, which cancels the effects of the cover card, be put on top of a Nudnik? Because as soon as I put the Nudnik, bids ah, over. You can't keep no going. Time. There's no the time castle. to steal the deal. Right. But that's the Shiloh that we have. Epic Games decided that the Maraglin has full full capacity to stop any of the Hever cards. Mm-hmm. And so it would cancel the effects of the Nundik, but that's the only card that can do so. Wow. So I'm getting some three Maraglin history here. Yeah, I didn't exactly. know there was so much depth into just our name. I thought it was clever. I yeah, didn't know there was, there was a story behind it. Yeah. And I think we need to combine with Epicure Games to turn this into a mobile app. Sponsored by the Three Miraglim podcast. I, I've always thought this game is like I'm not gonna lie. This game is so much better than any card game I've ever played in my life. I'm not joking. Because I always so thought like, how is there things. no how like if if we created this game and called it pizza, and just made ingredients with pizza, I honestly think like the game would would, would blow up. It's just it's such a well constructed game. Yeah, there's so many different options and interactions and there's so much emotions and battles that go into it it's there's nothing more frustrating than like putting out three four five cover cards to win one card Mm -hmm. and then having someone come in at the last minute and just stealing stealing you know what i hope you know what i hope i hope that donald trump if he was in office and some like lib who will probably end up on our lib of the week on the podcast goes up to him and is like, all right, we're impeaching you. And here's your impeachment. And he just whipped out one of those Miraglim cards. It's like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> or like, imagine he just gave it to Joe Biden. Joe Biden knocks on the door. Like, yes, Mr. President, it's time to move out. And Donald Trump's just like, not so fast. I have a Miraglim card. Your impeachment <laughs> has zero effect. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. And uh, on the finishing note about the game of Chalent itself, um, I think in the future we're gonna call you guys the Chevra. Yeah. So we're gonna refer to you guys as the Chevra from now on, mm-hmm. to to play into the whole theme that we're running here between us being the Moraglim and you can be the Chevra. And I think it will just be a fantastic journey between, um, between us and the podcast and and you guys. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And wh- whoever knows who is the original Chevra, like the band that made that that one song that everybody knows, they get a shout out. Like which song? There's a well, song shout them out from, on Instagram. If you know who the OG Chevra are, then just pat yourself on the back. Okay. Like I, we'll these shout are, you, we'll shout you out on Instagram if you can uh, comment who the um, who the original Chevra are. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and if you don't know who they are, check them out. This is a plug for you for at Chevra. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys made that one song that everybody liked, and I'm just letting people know about it. <laughs> You're no, welcome. <laughs> anyway, guys, yeah. if you want to have fun with your family on Shabbos. Definitely go on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Challenge the game. Buy it. I can guarantee. Also, if you're dorming with friends, you're living with friends, and you want to play, you want to have something, do something fun on Chavez because you're just sleeping on Chavez and not doing anything. Challenge is, it will make everyone, everyone super competitive on Chavez. It's so much fun. It's such a great game, and it's really like unlimited amount of, of, yeah, just bonding time with your friends. And also, they hate each other if, yeah. It may break a few relationships. No, if you if you guys want to talk about board games that I've gotten into, like I know I I know you guys play Sevens of Catan, and I just got into it myself. I got it for my family. We just got it on Friday. We played on Shabbos. It's honestly top ten board game of all time. It's It's up there with chess. Yeah, it's uh, it also makes you hate your uh, friends because they put uh, a wall in front of your wall. It's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, there is. when someone blocks you off in Catan, that's a really frustrating feeling. Yeah, but, but it's a part of the game. It's it's all about competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Cholent. That's and uh, that's really hope you guys the... go on Amazon and buy Cholent the game. So we just talked about Cholent the game, but we also going to go into Cholent the food a little bit because we know it's a big part of our culture, and we know everyone has that they enjoy so i'm just going to go into a little bit of the type of chant that i like and then maybe isu will talk about it a little bit it'll be fun wow we sound like such materialistic people let's Whatever. talk about let's talk about the amazing food that we eat friday <laughs> afternoon no big deal <laughs> my, my chant is a culture chant i don't know about yours my chant has the texture of of a meat that is it isn't just some meat it is it's hand-picked from the finest cows and yeah it is it really is and my mom does the best job of making of making chong we call it chamein in our family um we tend to go for a more potato based sometimes so potato barley vegetarian chong we do potatoes we do meat we do barley and some weeks we'll do chicken instead of uh, depending if my mom wants to eat healthier or not. No <laughs> eggs, right? No eggs? Well, depends. We we do eggs once in a while. My dad does like the eggs. 
it gives a little bit more protein to the chalk, which already has oh. way too much protein. What about <laughs> Kishka? Kishka's fire. F- absolutely I've never fire. I've had guts before. Well, it's not <laughs> real either. Kishka. <laughs> Nowadays, but Kishka oh, right. is illegal. Kishka fire. is like some of the, the most famous Yiddish food. You're not even allowed to eat it. Yeah, true. It's illegal. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. That's pre- I think that's anti-Semitic. We should complain. It is. It is kind of anti-Semitic. I'm not sure if it. But um, I I do enjoy the flower kiss that they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do like chalent with barley specifically. Um, but the problem with chalent is I just on Sundays I just doesn't does I just don't feel good on Sundays normally if I have chalent. But that. Yeah, a little too much information here. You know, a good, a good uh, shop is like game day go-to food. This is schnitzel. Like right. fried chicken. Chicken's the best. Schnitzel's the best. Fried chicken. You can't go wrong with fried chicken with some breadcrumbs and then no. rice or something. It just doesn't hot or cold. It works both ways. What if you it's take schnitzel and you put it in the chunk? That's, that's pretty a good. very... You've had that before? Yeah, I did. It's pretty good. Oh, it sounds have. really good. It yeah. sounds, <laughs> sounds fire. Not you don't cook it together, but yeah, you just pop the schnitzel in the chalent. Exactly. It's honestly a good move. Okay, EC. Here's the thing. Some people pop tags, but EC pops schnitzel that's... into his chalent. Yeah, and that's that's what it's about. Exactly. Yo, All right, fire. So uh, now that we spoke about chalent the game and chalent the food, we're gonna get into I think fan guess. AOC Live of the Week, everyone's favorite. And now we've had two weeks of AOC Live of the Week. We named it after Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yet she still has not had the honor of being the <laughs> AOC Live of the Week. But Aaron, who's our this, AOC Live of the Week? This is week? this foresight? I'm I am smelling some foresight All right, right Aaron, here. Who's our who's your Alexandria Ocasio Cortez Live of the Week? From the right <laughs> corner. Weighing in at 74 pounds, we have... What's her name? Alexandria. Ocasio-Cortez. How did she... uh, Why was she live of the week this week? Live of the week because she just um, recommended that they shut down a coal plant in her abuela's (laughs) home country of Puerto Rico. The Climate change, yeah, because that's sensible because coal does affect climate change in a negative aspect, right? The only problem that she forgot to realize is that this particular coal plant is responsible for 20 Puerto Rico's power. Mm-hmm. And um, as we know, she posted before a while ago that her abuela isn't exactly living in the best of conditions. Yeah, and she blamed it on Trump. She blamed that on Trump. Yeah, and then what happened, happened a couple of weeks ago, one of Ben Shapiro's co-workers who has his own show, his name is Matt Walsh, so he he felt so in his heart so sad that Abuela, Abuela. Was, she was suffering. She's in Puerto Rico, and she has no money. And her house, AOC put a picture of her house, and it was disgusting. It was just like this tiny, looks like an old classroom with like a little mattress on it. AOC makes $175,000 a year. She just bought a Tesla. So we're assuming AOC can't sponsor because she has too much uh, expenses on her hand. So Matt Walsh decided, you know what? From the goodness of my heart, I'm going to start a GoFundMe to save AOC's abuela. <laughs> and what happened was Matt Walsh 
who AOC hate as we I don't know if you guys know AOC hates Ben Shapiro kind of makes sense because he uh, tried to debate her and then she said things about him whatever anyway Matt Walsh raised a hundred thousand dollars for AOC's abuela and then he called like GoFundMe tried to like get money transported to AOC so that AOC can give it to her abuela because her abuela is in big trouble she said Trump blocked funding to Puerto Rico so how's how's her abuela gonna live if we don't save her abuela aoc can't it doesn't have the money obviously she has to buy a tesla so but the thing that happened was aoc she uh blocked it she told uh she told the uh, gofundme i'm not accepting this money and all the money that was donated to people out of the kindness of their hearts to help aoc's abuela didn't work out <laughs> yeah it's just it's, it's irony you're using your grandmother's poverty for your own political agenda. And then when someone actually wants to go and help your grandmother, which you're not helping yourself, even though you have money, that money because it goes against your political agenda. The person who raised it was against you. You know, it's a that funny story. That is so crazy. It's a, it's a funny story, but I would love to have her on the show. Oh, on a phone I call. It. I would love to call her in, dial her into the show. Maybe not for an episode, but for an interview. Because mm-hmm. I have questions. And I know hey, that Mendo, she... Mendo. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> when Ben Shapiro, ben Shapiro challenged her to a debate and she said, I'm not going to listen to men catcalling me. Which has nothing to do with anything. But yeah, yeah really what happened. Catcalling AOC. Please. No, I feel bad because Mendo. every week we, we kind of bash her. Like I feel like there's a misconception that no, but I feel like people as one of the segments in our podcast. I know, but I feel like people might have a misconception, and they might think that AOC Live of the Week is negative. I think it has a negative connotation. I I think I I think we need to make it a little more positive. I feel like we can have her on the show, tell her about what we do and why we're talking about her segment, and and just find out why she's a liberal, why she decided to follow. Open invite to AOC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See if you're listening. We would love to have you on the podcast, and we would love to know why, um, how your abuela is doing. Firstly, mm-hmm. I hope she's doing okay. Yeah, we really hope she's doing okay after um the electricity in Puerto Rico, and after the GoFundMe's got shut down, it should be a really tough time for her. But um, hopefully she's doing fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on here. Yeah. All maybe right, we so should uh maybe we should reach out. Definitely. Like we'll reach her. out to her manager. I think her we'll definitely team. get called out for racism if we did that. Well, well it's debatable. Hard to make to call someone racist. You just say that you're racist. It'll work. <laughs> yeah, we trust can, me it'll work. We can tell her she's racist. So, I mean, I don't want to get canceled, guys. I'm kind of scared. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what, what will happen if we get canceled? That would be terrifying. Yeah, I, I would I think, think we have I would a, say we cannot be canceled, though. We, would, no, we, we would. have, a, we have a, a, a right to speech and press. What? We're, pretty much, we're pretty much press at this point. We're like a news organization, I would exactly. say. So we have a freedom the, to say what We have the freedom to say. between us and a news organization is that we're more reliable. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Course. And we make more money than your average news station. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, this podcast brings in billions of dollars. The point <laughs> is, today was the <laughs> today was the fourth of July, 
and that was when we wrote the Declaration of Independence, and we have rights, which is the right to free speech. So yeah, we can say um, whatever we want. Cancel culture is uh, garbage. But one of AOC's good friends, another congressman, her name is uh, Cori Bush. She put that she's at. Uh, when they say that Declaration of Independence declares freedom, that's only for white people, though, not not for African Americans because they're not free yet. So uh, you're wrong, Wendell. Wow, I feel like that that is a that's not even with freedom because they're not free. Yeah, Mendel. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's a misconception. I I don't agree with that. I think that that black people can I be, are free. Mendel, can I be honest with you? You were we're clearly picking on you because you have COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're a white male, so you don't deserve to talk. Mm-hmm. You probably weren't even vaccine. <laughs> you don't have the vaccine. Yeah. For for the Hebra, our listeners, if you didn't realize, AOC Lib of the Week is like the time where we just become very sarcastic and just start saying dumb things and with a straight face or with a straight No, voice, I guess. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If the AOC, if the if the Republican Reb, if the Reb of the week on some liberals podcast would be anybody, it would be me because yes. I'm a white male who has COVID, who it didn't get the vaccine and is now da- endangering the lives of other people. You're so, a super spreader. <laughs> I'm sure there's a podcast speaking about me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe there's a super, I saw a super spreader at the restaurant today. He wasn't wearing his mask. That is absolutely all right, fine. And with that, that's going to end our third episode of the Three Moraglin. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next week, guys. See ya.